0: Buildings had been uplifted from their footprint and moved across fields, literally thrown across fields.
1: Storm Arwen, for a lot of farmers in the north of England and Scotland, is a storm that brought about detrimental damage to their farms and livelihoods. Arwen hit nearly a year ago on the 25th of November with a maximum wind gust of 100 miles per hour with at least three fatalities – According to NFU Mutual, Storm Arwen cost farmers, homeowners, and business people around £85 million. The storm was so bad because the wind, coupled with snow and freezing conditions, led to fallen trees, branches, and debris damaging vehicles and machinery, wind ripping pieces of homes and farm buildings out widespread power outages, disruption to farm work when it was not safe to work outdoors, and disruption to transport routes which impacted upon farms and other rural businesses. In this episode, one year on, we look back and speak to people that were affected the most, but also look forward to how farmers are rebuilding their livelihoods and what more could be done with the future storms to prevent such devastation. Remember, you can go back and listen to previous episodes by searching for the Over the Farm Gate podcast and get in touch with us about how you are doing since Storm Arwen, if it affected your farm. I'm Lucy Baxter, reporter at Farmers Guardian, and this is Over the Farm Gate. I'm with Andrew Cuspetson, the senior partner in the Durham District's agency, and more than one third of the damage, around £29 million, was in the northeast of England where you were based. Take me back to a year ago, and at what point did you realise this storm was going to be a lot worse than other
0: storms? Thank you for the question. So I think on the, it was the Friday evening of Storm Arwen where the weather forecast um, told us that there were going to be unprecedented. Uh, winds really and i think what what really struck home and became more apparent as the weekend went on was the direction of the wind i think that is what took most farmers by surprise is that the wind was coming from the north whereas the prevailing wind tends to be from the west in our part of the world so buildings were being um buffeted from a different direction and trees were also being buffeted from a different direction as well so the the friday night when it started and then as the night developed and we got into Saturday morning, the telephone started ringing and we responded to to those telephone calls by making sure that the farmers were safe, their livestock were safe. And then we energised our loss adjusting firms to actually deal with the more catastrophic losses that we were, were seeing and were seeing being suffered.
1: What were the farmers saying to you when they were ringing up what kind of issues were they having in the middle of when the storm was taking place?
0: The, the buildings were the the, the the primary concern is that the livestock and making sure that they were okay and a lot of livestock obviously were being housed in sheds by that time of the year. so they wanted to make sure that they were being protected but they, they were just fearful of, of sheds themselves being totally destroyed it was it was that bad. The, the, there was the real prospect of not just shed roofs being removed, but also sites of buildings being taken out as well. So they wanted um, reassurance that they could they could mitigate that by moving livestock to other buildings or off farm, which we gave them permission to do. And they also wanted to make sure that where damage was actually occurring, they could undertake emergency repairs. And that's where we really stepped up to give the farmers the security. The permission to actually get ahead and do what they needed to um, prevent the losses being even worse, really, and to protect their businesses.
1: And how long did it last? Obviously, we had all the news reports of it back last year in November. What, yeah. what were you seeing, and what was the kind of atmosphere in the the northeast where you're based?
0: So over that over that weekend, the the storms itself passed through relatively relatively quickly, I suppose. So by by the end of Saturday, I think the other part that was apparent, it wasn't just the wind, but by the middle of the night, it became icy as well. And on the higher ground, snow was coming in, and a lot of the losses was a combination of the, the wind, but also with ice forming on power cables, which were bringing power lines down. And that really was the legacy from the weekend that... By the, by the following week, a lot of places were still without power and that's where farmers were starting to really panic that from, from their own perspective, they had no power coming into their properties. So we were particularly worried about our vulnerable customers who were isolated in upland areas. So we, we made it a conscious effort to make contact with them and make sure they were okay and if necessary, make visits to them. What we also did in conjunction with the regional NFU who really stepped up, is we entered dialogue with Northern Electric and spent quite a bit of time over the weekend pinpointing which farms were badly affected and which ones were without power and made made it clear to Northern Electric that they had to do something about it, which they did do. They mobilised and made sure that generators were brought to farms and to, to the local villages as well to make sure the power was restored be through a generator, until they could mobilise their teams on the following Monday, who came in from all over the UK to actually fix the power lines.
1: And how long was that sort of process taking place? How long were some farmers without power?
0: So The worst cases were seven days. So we had some who went from the Friday night of the lot, of the storm rather, all the way through to the following Monday before power was actually restored. So, so some were offline off for 9, 10 days, really, and they were losing um, contents in their freezers. They, they, they were having to find alternative methods to look, look after their stock. Uh, there was just no power there. For, fortunately, that was few and far between. Most, most farmers managed to get some generator power to their farms. And then we were resourceful as well. A number of them went and actually um, found generators. It was, it was known in the area that a lot of the higher companies in the County Durham area, ran out of generators because farmers had, had to go and hire them.
1: I know earlier you were mentioning how um, a lot of the farmers were calling you in and sort of asking what to do and asking like if they could move animals, et cetera. Was there sort of a plan that, I guess, the community of farmers in that area started to do? Were they sort of helping each other or what were they doing on the ground, sort of during and just immediately after the storm to kind of make sure there was as less damage as possible?
0: So they, yes, you're absolutely right. They're, they are a resourceful group. Um, mobile phone signals went down for a period, as did telecommunications. So that became slightly more troublesome, but they they were restored quite quickly. And they, the farmers just grouped together as they did to make sure that if if fodder was needed or if there was a way of helping with food, more than anything, really, because they could they could most of them were back online and managing from an electric point of view within a couple of days. It was more keeping warm, making sure that, um, again, back to the more elderly people were were being provided with with warmth, with clothing, with food, really, to keep them going. And, and it was communication. Social media played a big part in that. Um, there's a very good um, WhatsApp group in Weardale and Teesdale, and that was being utilised to make sure that any farmer that was in difficulty was communicated to via that group.
1: So as a business, NFU Mutual supported more than 8,000 customers who were affected. What was your role in the area kind of during and immediately after the storm as well? Was it just responding to all these calls of of damage of buildings and livestock?
0: It was. So it was a combination. We had on on one side, we had just the, the general responsibility of liaising with um, Northern Electric just to understand understand how soon the power supply is going to be restored. So it was keeping pressure on them to make sure their communication route was kept in play. So Northern Electric were, were telling us they were communicating directly with our farming community, but we were also hearing anecdotal evidence from our farmers that they weren't hearing anything. So on one hand we were we were just making sure those communication channels were kept open and we were also communicating with the farmers as to what was being done. And then on the insurance side, we were just making sure that farmers were able to put in place repairs as quickly as they could. So we were making interim payments to them, for example. So releasing funds to make sure that they had the funds to actually go out and undertake emergency repairs. And and what was also becoming more apparent, because the losses were so great in Northumberland and County Durham, that builders were the premium as well. So it was liaising with the building firms to make sure they were scheduled in to go and actually undertake the repairs as well.
1: Were the majority of the repairs taken relatively quickly or is it a year on, are there still things happening for these farmers and are there still things that are needing to be rebuilt for them to get back to where they were pre-Storm and I
0: would have to say that most of the repairs have now been completed. There's one or two smaller legacy issues but the vast majority of, of claims have been dealt with and Repairs have been undertaken by building firms, but it did take a good six or seven months into the summer months of this year before all of the repair work was really done. The other thing, which is is absolutely apparent as you drive around the area, there's a vast number of trees which have not yet been attended to. So we we still have an awful lot of falling debris, which is going to take a long time to actually take away and allow woodland to restore itself so there's a lot of work still to be done there on farms
1: i know that sort of in today's society and nowadays there's more extreme weather than ever with with storms with with floods and we've had this summer at what point did you actually and did people realize just how bad it was because it, it it's not it wasn't just a storm that you used to, was it? It really did affect a lot of these farmers in a, in a detrimental way.
0: Yeah, I think it was pro, it was certainly daylight on the Saturday where we were getting calls from farmers who just couldn't believe the fact that buildings had been uplifted from their footprint and moved across fields, literally thrown across fields. We've been used to over the years where roof sheets would be removed, but the footprint and the structure of the building would remain in situ. Now we were seeing whole buildings lifted from their footprint and moved across fields and just destroyed really are. Ah, and that's just not been seen before. And the concern is that that is going to become worse. And we were impacted in January with Storm Desmond as well. That, that came along and impacted as, as well, but not, not to the same degree because it was the wind direction. That, that, that's what we took away from it. That rarely have we ever seen the wind coming from the north to the ferocity that it did. And that really caused such catastrophic damage. Really,
1: was it reported in the weather forecasts coming up to it that it was going to be in that direction, or did it kind of just surprise everyone on the on the day it arrived with where the wind was heading?
0: No, I think it was probably um, more the it was reported certainly from from memory that it was coming coming out of of the north, but I don't think anybody realised to to the extent it did. And I think the combination of the wind and the fact that it on the higher ground particularly it started to snow and ice up the, the power lines that didn't help. What what tended to be the case, You we could draw a pattern that on the east coast which were more exposed to the winds, that's where the more catastrophic building damage occurred. And as you went inland and started to rise up into the dales of County Durham that snow and ice started to affect the power lines. So the The East Coast probably suffered more immediate damage and needed buildings replacing, which we attended to. As it became further west, then it was more to do with the lack of power for a period of time. That was what was causing more of the concern. So the the longer-term concern or the immediacy was um, the power supplies for a good week or so in the Dales, which were just not restored.
1: And as well as financial struggles that um, farmers have to to be thinking about and to worry about it must have affected a, a lot of farmers mentally as well.
0: Uh, absolutely. Um, they, they're having to put up with an awful lot to start with. And they, they were starting at this time last year with, with starting to see rises in their input costs. So they were already looking at, at extra cost being levied on them, fertilizer costs being an example, and then to have something outside of their control come along. Um, it it just it certainly impacted on them and meant just another um, issue that they had to deal with. So a, a period of time was spent counselling them, and certainly from a, a electricity supply perspective, um, that because that took such a long period to come back on, there was the promise that the power was going to be restored in a day. It didn't get restored, and it was the hope that was causing a problem. And then we, we have had examples, and I, I, in particular, we have a, we had a reindeer farmer on the east coast of County Durham who had reindeer which were getting ready for the Christmas period to go out to Christmas fairs, and unfortunately he lost a couple of reindeer in the storm which were just in, in a field and were hit by falling debris from a building as such so that impacted his ability to fulfill his orders for christmas so that was a that was a problem for him as well that he just couldn't satisfy his customers over that period
1: what do you think the government or what did the government do to to help support them and what do you think potentially they could do more
0: yeah so they it was probably through their statutory powers on the electric supply side that They did invoke the fact that compensation was being paid for for businesses as well as farmers that were without power for more than forty eight hours. So they did help there. I think what what is being learned from this, and when we've had follow up forum discussions, is what one is to do with the infrastructure that's already in place. So that needs to be looked at and needs to be um, checked on a more regular basis and maintained more regularly as well so i think they could, they could look at that to try and um, prevent this happening again you'd like to think that the winds wouldn't, wouldn't be on that precedented scale but but they could be so certainly looking at a maintenance program for the electric companies and then really being as sympathetic as they could be it, it was fine for um ministers and mps to actually make visits to the area but what they really needed was clearer communication That was a frustration that a lot of farmers had, is that the communication wasn't as good as it could have been.
1: And like you alluded to earlier, these farming communities and rural communities are incredibly isolated um, and more at risk of extreme weather affecting them just in terms of where their farms are located and how high up they are on the hills, etc., what do you think the government now needs to do, knowing that these storms are more regular, knowing you know flooding, storms, heat waves, etc. What what can the government do, do you think, to help support the farming community
0: better? I, I suppose where, where this um, discussion and conversation we can look at it on a wider context is that there's clearly concern for upland farms. In particular with regard to how they're going to be helped and funded in the future and so the these farms struggle anyway on a day-to-day basis just with with the cost of running their businesses really and i don't think the weather comes into that so to speak i think it's understood that the uplands are a hard area in which to farm and they suffer from the weather but they have no real means of mitigating or protecting themselves they are in isolated areas and they're exposed to the elements. And I think that needs to be taken into account when they're looking at how how farmers should be helped to, to maintain the landscape, the countryside, the fell land for, for everybody to enjoy. That's where, that's where I feel that it should be looked at.
1: So let's talk a bit about how farmers can protect themselves in future storms and mitigate risks. Um, so let's go in three parts. So before the storm, what would you recommend yeah. farmers do?
0: Initially, they, they do anyway, but being aware, watch, watching weather forecasts, and making sure that they they know this is coming, and on the on the back of that, they can then help make sure livestock are as safe as they possibly could be from that. It's important that farmers do inspect their farm buildings and look at a good maintenance program to make sure that any any loose sheets that are on farm sheds or on the, on the general structure of the buildings, that they've maintained them and fixed them so things are secure in place. Um, making sure that water pipes in particular, that supply buildings are lagged um, to the right extent so they can keep a constant water supply going for their livestock in particular. What we have noticed, I mentioned it before, because so many trees have um, been brought down and this is where the council come into play as well. They, they need to have a regular check of, their, of trees and any signs of any disease or rotting trees to be addressed as well, because clearly trees can come down and damage buildings in the same way that winds can do so. So having good tree inspection is really important as well. And making sure that they do, once they check the weather forecast and they know that actually a storm is due, make sure that they have sufficient charge in their mobile phones, making sure that they have torches and batteries and candles just so they can actually have some light to go and inspect their stock and their buildings as well. That's really important. And also having just checking and having a business continuity plan to make sure that if, if the worst happened, they have an evacuation route for themselves as well as their livestock as well. So they've got an emergency plan put in place. And something that we do from an, an insurance company perspective is we provide all, all our clients with emergency helpline numbers. They have they have our mobile numbers as their point of contact, but also we provide for them contact numbers for helplines as well. So tradesmen who can come out and help them as well. So having those at hand or or stored in their phones, which goes back to the point that they really need their mobile phones charged as well
1: and then what about during the storm so that's like a real a lot of sort of preparing and kind of checking over things the trees that are potentially looking like they might fall you know sort of sort that out beforehand and just making sure you've got a plan in place for this thing say if you've prepared for all that and then you're in a storm what should they do then
0: yeah so i think for, first thing is they've got to make themselves safe as well so don't don't do anything which would be would be deemed risky, which is going out in the middle of the storm to check their farm buildings. once they've done the once they've done their checks preparing for the storm, they've got to make themselves safe and stay in the house unless it's absolutely necessary and don't make unnecessary journeys as well, making sure that they're secure so keeping building building doors and windows securely shut and even if there are loose sheets that are coming off, don't attempt to undertake emergency repairs because you're putting yourself in danger at, at that point. And if you do have to go out because the journey is essential, make absolutely sure that you're very careful about where you're driving and making sure that you try as best as possible to keep away from exposed routes or routes where there are tree-lined roads because there's always that danger of trees coming down on vehicles and you being injured. So just trying to keep to well, if possible, well lit um, routes on lowland roads where there's a lack of trees really is the advice we would give.
1: And then finally, I guess after the storm when the sun's shining again <laughs> and there's there's no yeah. there's not as much wind and, and it's kind of passed over over the area, what would you recommend then?
0: So and initially make Do a quick look around your own property to start with make sure you and your family are are safe and everybody's okay at that point check to make sure you still have power as such um you know whether any power cables have kind of come down um if you do have a generator and your power has come down then after the storm making sure you can get that connected to get power restored so initially just check yourselves and make sure everything's okay do a visual inspection of your farm buildings after that and see what what damage you can see. If anywhere is damaged, again, just be very careful about undertaking any repairs or even entering any buildings just in case they're at risk of collapse. And importantly, take take some photographs from an insurance perspective uh, of all the damage that has occurred and make a report to to your insurer, the NFU Mutual, and tell us what has actually happened And we'll make sure that we put the necessary procedures in place to undertake those emergency repairs and get people to your farm as quickly as possible to to help you get the business restored as quickly as possible.
1: I think that's all really, really good recommendations and advice and kind of what you'd think would be instinctive to kind of shelter from the storm and, and things like that. But when people's livelihoods and I guess animals are out or, you know, They'll want to check on those, won't they? So it's it's that that preparing by checking on them, but then when the storm's happening, putting yourself and and your family's safety and and making sure you're safe, and then inspecting after, isn't it?
0: Very very much so. You're no use to anybody if you're not safe as such to to yourself, to your family, to, to your farm as such. So so it's really important you do the the proper preparation beforehand. Make sure you've made your property as secure as you possibly can. And then look after yourself until the storm's passed. And then do do an initial inspection. Don't put yourself at risk, and get in touch with NFU mutual to start the process of putting putting right what has been damaged.
1: So, finally, do you think farmers, especially in the north where Storm Arwen hit, are more worried about storms in the future now, or how are they? How are they when you sort of are, are talking to them about these storms?
0: I think what, where farmers are much more conscious of the weather. So there's been, in the last few years, significant flooding um, episodes, which we've had to deal with, and now there are wind and storm episodes as well. It's clearly related to extreme weather patterns, which are, are occurring on a more frequent basis. Because of that, they are more conscious of the fact that weather could impact them in a serious way. So they are more aware of making sure their farms are protected we certainly hear and have more conversations about their maintenance programs and making sure the the sheds are maintained as best as they possibly can to mitigate against any particular loss and keeping their animals as safe as they can
1: well Andrew Cuthbertson thank you very much for joining me today and for giving all that advice on what farmers can do to prepare and in the event and after a storm
0: thank you very much thank you for your time
1: Well that's all we've got time for today. A huge thank you to Andrew for talking to me about the storm and what farmers can do to prepare for a storm in the future. Remember you can get in touch with us to share your experiences and make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified when each episode is out. Next week our features editor Emily Ashworth will be sharing and speaking to commercial and agricultural photographer Amy Bateman so make sure to tune in then. Goodbye.